Well played. Hello and welcome to Well Played. I'm Blue Tongue and I'll be your host this week. From around Australia, I'm joined by Harrow. Howdy. And John. Hi. Uh, on this week's show, we'll be talking about Wonder Woman from DC Comics' latest relaunch, Rebirth. But first, let's catch up with our hosts and see what they've been up to. How's your week been, Harrow? Uh, yeah, work's been super busy. Our email server was hit by a ransomware attack. That was a, it's been a long day. Yeah. Did did you pay them the money for the ransomware stuff? I'm sure they, they were very helpful and... <laughs> no, I had to restore from last week's backup. But restored the system settings and um, it's running. And I've clamped down on access and security, so hopefully it'll keep running regardless of how much I've just really tightened my control on it. <laughs> it's sort of like the more control you give people... The more things turn to shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm expecting the new. I'm expecting the email system to go tits up tomorrow because I'll probably have disabled something vitally critical in the name of security. <laughs> yes, uh, and John, how's your week been? Yeah, good. So uh, this is uh, basically a time that uh, I'm sure any university student out there could probably attest to. Uh, time that we academics also look forward to being the end of semester. So it's one of those times when I'm excited about the fact that semester is just about over and I've got a break coming up. But with that comes that good old economic anxiety of not knowing exactly what I'm going to be doing next semester. So yeah, mixed this week. But um, yeah, you know, kind of looking forward to that couple of weeks off. Nice. Any plans? Are you got anything awesome arranged for said week weeks off? In true fashion, no, I don't. Uh, uh, the wife and I continue to save for Japan, so it's one of those things where I'll probably get my tax done and otherwise just enjoy some catching up on sleep and some other work that I've no doubt been neglecting. Fair but enough. you know, uh, one of those kind of things where I can't complain. Uh, just as long as I get stuff sorted for next semester. Very good. But, uh, enough about what? Sorry. I was going to say, um, you're saving money to go to Japan? Yeah, so we'll be doing that December, January again. And uh, a shorter trip than what we did last time, but it will still be pretty good. I still uh, managed to get 13 days in Japan, so no complaining about that. Mm. That be during the winter, I assume? Yeah, that is during their winter at the start of the year. Uh, It's a good deal colder than our winter. Uh, Fetches... Uh, at the most, it was minus a few degrees the last time that we were there. And, you know, it was around Tokyo, so not exactly a lot of snow or anything like that, but certainly a colder version of what we contend with in Australia. Yep, yep. And how about you, Blue Tongue? How are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm a bit tired. I've been spending all weekend on my fence still. Giddy up. Um, <laughs> but not to bore anyone with if you're that. you're looking for some fun, yes. <laughs> Um, I went out and saw John Wick 2 today with my father, and that was actually really good. It was a really solid action movie. Um, it's, uh, I, I just checked it on Rotten Tomatoes before we started this recording, and it got 90%, which really surprises me for a sequel of a not-super-well-known movie to start with. So, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really happy with the way that they produced it, and it seems like you know one of the best action movies we've gotten recently. Honestly, was there any puppy murder in this one? Uh, zero puppy murder in this one. Yeah, it didn't really pull on the heartstrings in that direction. Um, he did have some other personal effects destroyed though, and that kind of kicks everything off in one way or another. Those jerks. Fair what enough. Bastards. They ruined mm. his car. He should murder them all. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I um, I got to see a bunch of trailers as well when I was uh, at the movies. Uh, and uh, Atomic Blonde uh, with Charlize Theron in it looks amazing. Have you guys seen the trailer for that? I have. John? I have not. No, I, I um, assume that anything with Charlie's Theron in it is going to be good, though. One of the better actresses out there. But no, that I haven't seen Atomic Blonde. But uh, you guys are talking about it in terms of its similarity to John Wick. Uh, I yeah, John Wick plus spies plus uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, nope, having a mind blank. Uh, plus Pro- Professor X. Oh, Patrick Stewart. Yes. No. McAvoy. McAvoy. No, Mac, James McAvoy. <laughs> slightly younger. Young, slightly young younger Professor X. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, looks, yeah, looks really, really good. Um, uh, what else did they have there for trailer-wise? There was some... Yeah, I was just really surprised. There's just a whole raft of really cool stuff that I want to see over the next few months. So, yeah, that'll be good. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, they, they had their full Wonder Woman trailer there and stuff like that too, of course. Which coincidentally brings me up to what we'll be talking about this week. Nice <laughs> segue, yes. Seamless. Smooth. <laughs> Excellent. One of our best. Okay. In June 2016, uh, DC relaunched their mainstream comics under the Rebirth banner. Rebirth is a shift from the New 52 relaunch that occurred, I think, back in September 2011. And is back to a more modern era of DC Comics, and it incorporates more of the character's history, as opposed to the five-year rule they had in New 52. The numbering of action comics and detective comics went back to their original numbering, so pre-52, they're like 900 and something now. They're going to have a, I think, issue of 1,000 comes out this year, which is pretty cool. Um yeah, and they've done this to indicate that the character's history is back and the legacy is back. Uh, so, yeah, Rebirth is about putting hope, optimism, and uh, legacy back into the DC characters. And so the character that we're talking about uh, this week is uh, Wonder Woman, and we're looking this week at Wonder Woman's Rebirth. And uh, this kind of uh, story arc that – well, two story arcs, actually, that they uh, relaunched the new series of Wonder Woman with um, – basically uh, designed to give readers a firm footing into the character's uh, history. So uh, one of the arcs was called The Lies, and that was a story that looked at uh, Diana's uh, exploring her own uncertain history. And the other one was called Year One, which kind of is a retelling of Diana's uh, sort of character history, a a retelling of her origins. Um, So uh, Greg Greg Rucker, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing his name correctly there, uh, was the writer on both of those and they alternated pencilers with liam sharp taking the lies story and nicholas scott on the origin story so this week we're covering issues 1 to 14 of wonder woman so just to kind of uh, kick this off uh what did you guys think of what we read in preparation for this one 
Um, yeah, I really like the story. I love me some meta, and DC's rebirth is chock full of meta. It's, yeah, I really enjoyed, um, Year One is good, but I'm, I actually preferred the Lie storyline more, but yeah, even, but even Year One is a very good story as well, so yeah, I'd recommend it. Luke? Uh, look, I, I thought this, <laughs> it was perfectly enjoyable, but we're going to give you in this podcast the crucial reading tip as to how to properly enjoy this, this comic. <laughs> Um, yeah, more on that later. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> what about you, John? Look, I, I did enjoy it. I haven't previously read, if memory serves, any of Wonder Woman's stuff before, and this was this seemed like a, as good as any uh, point to jump in, provided that, yes, you did read it uh, properly, and I can see uh, the source of some confusion there, and we'll be touching on this. But look, definitely a, a worthwhile story. Just before we, st- we move on, um, you've made reference multiple times to meta, and I understand yep. what meta is in principle, being an elevated form of one thing. So meta thinking is thinking about thinking, etc. Um, what does this refer to in comics? Okay, so it's a comic that it's self-referential. It, it's not like Deadpool where he's breaking the fourth wall and winking at the audience. It's... Uh, yeah, it's a story about the story. What's happening, there's the story, and then what's happening in the background, the stuff that isn't being shown on screen, but the patterns you can see happening. Okay, sure. It, um, so if you look at another one, uh, Watchmen, basically, Watchmen ostensibly is about these characters that are dealing with a murder mystery, uh, these characters that used to be part of uh, the sort of a pre uh, the Vietnam War era but on another level so sort of it's Alan Moore's critique of superheroes as a genre so uh, kind of comics sometimes they'll they'll do this thing where you're reading one story but if you read it another way there's another message on to- overlaid on the top of it kind of uh, this time around it's another relaunch here uh, and, and I'm sure Harrow has more to say about this another relaunch but here, uh, Wonder Woman is dealing with her own uncertainty about her own origin, and so uh, there's this kind of thing where it's acknowledging on one other level that the readers are dealing with the story being retold as she's not sure about where it all fits in her history. I think, uh, uh, would you say that was accurate, Harrow? How I got a reading on, on where you're going with this? No, I think you explained it better than I did, actually. It's, yeah... The whole DC rebirth is full of some really tasty matter. So the Flash causes a flashpoint, which sort of ended the modern era and it ushered in the new 52. So the second Flash, Wally West, sort of uh, tries to fix it and ushers in rebirth. And I think one of the most meta crazy things they did was um, Watchmen was responsible for the new 52 because it's... I love Watchmen... It's a standalone story. It doesn't need a before. It doesn't need a sequel. It's perfectly. It is a beautifully, perfectly, perfectly self-contained story. We could probably all agree on that. So it doesn't need to be. You shouldn't be crossing uh, Watchmen over with the greater DC universe. But if you know the history of comics, <laughs> you know for Watchmen, it, comics were all funny pages. Haha really crazy stuff aimed at kids, and it was a one-two punch. We got 
Alan Moore's Watchmen and Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns that did these darker, serious, more meta stories that critically acclaimed, everyone loved, and then comic mainstream comics then sort of followed followed afterwards with it. So when they're saying Watchmen is responsible for the DC universe being, you know, dark and grim and not having hope or love in it, it's yeah, that's a real meta mind blow, right? Yeah. It's brilliant. I love that part. Um, yeah. Uh, some other stuff they've got in there. Um, if you read the Rebirth special, it's all about Wally West narrating what's missing in the world, what happened when New 52 kicked off and he was written out of continuity and what the stories had been missing from that point. Uh, even DC's new uh, comic arc, which I haven't read, I mean to read, uh, new Superman. So basically China starts making their own Justice League and they use it as an opportunity to poke fun at their own... DC uses it to poke fun at their own characters. You know, Superman's a bit slow, Batman's a dick, Wonder Woman's got something to prove. It's, yeah. So there, if you like your meta, DC's got you very, very covered in this. And, yeah, the lie storyline is just another excellent meta story. It keeps quoting that, you know, the story keeps changing. So a key aspect of Wonder Woman is truth. So when the champion of truth realizes she's been retconned, her history keeps changing, what do you do? That's just... So clever! It could have just been an. It could have just been another relaunch, another issue one, another retelling. You know, Uncle Ben gets shot again. Yep, we've seen it all before. <laughs> but this one, it's just yep. There's history, and you've got questions, and we're going to have the. And we're going to act. And the character has those same questions as you, and she's going to explore, and you're going to be with her as she answers those questions in this brilliant way. So, yes, bring on the meta. I love it. I can. Uh, John, something to add? Uh, just um, as much as uh, sort of she ex- – you, you've hit the nail on the head. As much as she experiences it, we, we experience it. And uh, it sort of – it serves as, as uh, I mentioned, this kind of dual purpose. On one level, it's the story is served. But on the other level, the creators are kind of making a statement of intent, this kind of thing where they say – uh, there's one line in it where she mentions that uh, she can't really remember everything, but uh, this time around she's going to find answers, and this time it will be different. Uh, Wonder Woman as a character had a pretty decent shake of it to start with during the New 52, and uh, after Cliff Chang left the book, uh, it sort of, uh, in a lot of reviewers' opinions at least, went downhill. And so this kind of is a nice uh, break with that, and... As I understand it, it seems to have been doing a lot uh, more solidly since then, and uh, definitely a different approach to uh, to exploring a character with that that split way of telling a story. As uh, we'll get into it a bit later. Yeah, some of the other matter I, I just liked because in the New Fifty Two, you know, she killed Ares, so she became the God of War. So you know, the Princess of Peace was now the God of War. And she's questioning that, and she goes to Olympus, and because I'm the god of war, why am I being attacked? Oh, wait, I'm the god of war. Why wouldn't I be attacked? This is yeah. totally how, how you greet the god of war. It's, yeah, if you, you question everything, particularly in those first couple of chapters, and they do such a good job with it. Um, yeah, <laughs> like, I, I guess from my perspective, it's not really something I can truly appreciate, 
Um, I think I am still sort of floundering in the the basic understanding of the whole story sequence and stuff like that. So um, I guess I guess it does at least give me something to look at in terms of um, more depth and more character to the story that um, isn't immediately obvious to a new reader. <laughs> It was that great big flip, that good bit of meta I loved with, um, I'm, even with no history to the character, uh, did you, did you get, did you appreciate the whole part where, you know, what's the villain's name, Urskataga, Ers- how do you pronounce it, has, you know, he was always, always had women attendants, he never had women far from him, it's like, oh no, 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 they're, they're not his prisoners, the women are the guards, that's, yeah, and how he's able to twist that truth to keep the, to keep women subjected as opposed to being in, uh, imprisoned by them. I thought, oh, that was, yeah, really, really good. It wasn't it wasn't just a case of, um, you know, punch it until the problem goes away. It was just, yep, you've been lied to. Here's a change of perspective. Oh, and look, the solution presents itself. Uh, yeah, very clever. Okay. Yeah. Nope, nope, that went completely over my head. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, so... <laughs> you're not picking up much of the meta at all. No, no, very, very little. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. But, but but at least I know it's there now. That's important. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cam, anything to add on the delicious meta? Oh, just uh, insofar as uh, we'll be segueing soon into this, but just the the I I have to give them some props. Uh, I'm not a big fan of it ultimately, and you'll hear why, but uh, there is something to be said for the fact that they include something of her origin story as well as exploring the fact that it's being changed. Mm-hmm. But, yes, more on this in a second. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, second point we were going to talk about, uh, if you recall back to an earlier episode where we talked about Ruby, one of the things I really liked about Ruby was an anime that flipped a lot of anime tropes on its head. This one does a lot with gender roles you would generally see in comics. So I forget what it's called in media, where um, you're watching a TV show or a movie, and you know the main the main men characters are talking, and everything else is just white noise or exposition, and you overlook the female characters or the minority characters because it's not the it's not the the main strapping man doing things. This one's like in the reverse when you're reading the year one storyline. I forget Steve Trevor's there until he yells out. You're like, oh, yeah, he's in every panel, but I completely forget he's there. So if that's deliberate, well done. Great storytelling. And if it's not, maybe they need to make Steve a bit more interesting. But I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> it's the former. I'm hoping it was a brilliant move of the former. So it's either really great or terrible, yes. Yeah, pretty much. I'm going with great here. I like the fact that it's not only just like these two main characters. So there's Wonder Woman and there's Steve. What's his surname? Trevor. Steve Trevor. Trevor. Yep. Um, he's the the pilot that crashes on her island that she meets, um, and is sort of like her first exposure to man, etc. Um, and clearly, she's the hero. He's like the person in need of protection and help, and needs to be sort of nurtured back to health and all those sort of tropes. Um, but in addition to that, there's also all the other female characters that show up when she comes into the modern world. Um, and a lot of those are female as well. Um, so it's not just only a matter of, like, you know, there's the overbearing general character who, you know, 
is in control of everything and is like giving everyone else directions and stuff like that. That's actually a female character in this story. Um, stuff like that. So it's not only this the the main couple that are sort of switching these gender roles. It's also the um, like these other secondary characters as well, which I liked that. At least it gave you something something a bit different there as well. And you've just made me realize another point because yeah, um, in the E one storyline, you can go the exchange route or the the exchange student route or like the fish out of water route where she doesn't know what's going on and she needs a guide or someone to hold her hand and it, it ain't Steve Trevor. It's like an archaeologist and a military liaison, both females. Yeah, he's he's really not doing much. It's it's other women that are helping her acclimate to man's world. Ironically enough, yeah. Some of the time, yeah, that was some of the more subtle stuff. There was a little bit there of uh, a bit more, not overt, but you know what I mean, a bit more direct when uh, they deal with that uh, that one villain, not in the U1 storyline, but in the Lies storyline, the very much, uh, uh, the, the, I can't remember the guy's name, he was attempting to bring about that other monstrous oh, character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, just the the manner in which Steve directly tells him at one point, you've got some toxic masculinity happening there, pal. And the uh, the way that they exchanged in that in that storyline as well, very direct uh, approach to what you're describing here. Yeah, but that was that was kind of stupid because I read that and going, yep, totally makes sense because there are no female comic book villains in what to take over the world. It's purely a male trait. So yeah, I'm just going didn't work for me i actually thought that part was a bit dumb i thought it was good in that it gave steve something funny to say it made me laugh at the time uh he hadn't been a particularly interesting character from what i read at that point in the story just yet so it was good that he said that i don't know i i enjoyed it but that's just me oh no fair enough yeah the um the thing that that most caught my eye in these, at least in these last couple of uh, comics that I read, so thirteen and fourteen, I swear he spends like basically the whole episode in at least half a sh- half a shirt or no shirt at all, <laughs> like the entire episode, the entire book. I'm just like, yeah, it's it's. It's fun. You go into each you go into each issue going again. How's Steve Trevor going to lose his shirt this week? Yeah. It, it, it happens several several times. Another another. I don't know if you want to call this subtle or not so subtle. Nod to the gender flipping. It's a bit subtle at the beginning, but at the end, you're like, yeah, I see what you're doing there, and it's funny. <laughs> the um, oh. Like, it, it, that that's fairly standard in other comics, yeah? Like, you know, women will get their, like, half their clothes blown off in the course of something, or... Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sometimes or... self-referentially as well, yeah. Uh, I think of, back to the 90s, uh, Gen 13 uh, from Image Comics, where when they get super-powered, all the men and women, their clothes get torn off, and they even start to comment on, oh, my clothes all got t- torn off, but I didn't get a hot body like yours kind of thing. Like, it was very much a tongue-in-cheek book from uh, from Wildstorm at the time. But yeah, definitely, uh, that's one of the old tropes that has happened. Mm. All right. I think, uh, what is it, issue 10, when they've got the, the, 
the Seer group shooting up a shopping mall, and then, you know, at the end, Steve uh, Wonder Woman is descending. She's got a, a shirtless Steve Trevor under one arm and a couple of guys bound and tied up in her other arm a bit, you know, a throwback to say eighties or even nineties covers where it's, where it's the hero with the scantily clad girls around him. And this one, it's Wonder Woman descending down with a bunch of guys either tied up or shirtless. It's, yeah, I, that, that, I think that was a double page spread and that actually made me have a, a big laugh out loud. I think there's actually some fan fiction ones where she's uh, tied up some guys who are <laughs> who are shirtless. Coincidentally, <laughs> of course there of course there is fan fiction uh, associated with this character. There would be so much. Let's, let's not go there, gentlemen. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I'm going to give you the crucial new persons and like uh, 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 what's the word. Juvenile readers, comic book readers guide to reading this comic, okay? So, when I went to do my notes for this, I'm like, okay, the story feels really, really disjointed. So, not only is there flips between times and, like, it, it's all over the place and then you start a new book and it, it, it completely doesn't, like, it does. there's no continuity in the actual story, like, between books. And I'm like, what on earth is going on? I do not understand. <laughs> I started writing my notes and doing some more research as to exactly how it had all been set out, and it turns out that when you read this comic book, you read either the odd ones or the even ones. So one, three, five, seven, nine, etc., or two, four, six, eight, ten, etc., will give you a whole continuous story by itself. <laughs> This is critical information when you go to read this series. <laughs> um, I, I couldn't believe they'd done it and not made it... I don't know. I, may, maybe I need more, like, I don't know, newbie guides to this stuff, but, like, it's it's like it seems such a counterintuitive way to get people into this story. What do you guys think? <laughs> if, you'd want, if you weren't sort of... Uh, pre-warned prior to that point that that's what they were doing then absolutely you would have been flipping between the two and look i my my thing here is i don't personally like bi-weekly comics so that's what they did here was they released one every two uh, so one every month and the other every month so if you wanted to collect all of wonder woman you had to basically go and get this this story every two weeks and uh, yeah, every two weeks you'd be getting a one from the the other artic- the other one. They have some overlap as time goes on, and they have some story elements that begin in one and bleed over into the next. And I like that way of doing things, but I personally don't like that frequency. And when they're both under the same banner, absolutely for a new reader that would have been uh, somewhat confusing. Kind of goes against what they were aiming for, and I wondered if maybe. Uh, perhaps, and uh, I'd be curious, uh, Harrow, if you had an opinion on this, uh, whether or not they perhaps should have gone with a, a new sub, sort of subtitle for it, or perhaps a, a different series, like a mini series for the origin story. They should, yeah, you're right. Look, they should have definitely gone for a mini series right off the bat. That probably would have been less confusing for Blue Tongue there, but um, I didn't get confused or lost. Sorry, I was able to keep up. Um, yeah, I think I think 
The biggest problem from my perspective is the fact that Wonder Woman's getting the movie reboot, like reboot at the moment, and that's awesome. It it looks it's it, not a reboot. He hasn't had one yet. Just well, just a movie. But yeah, it's still it's still from the very beginning though of of the continuity that we're dealing with the characters. So from that sense, it's uh, from the top, similar to a reboot in that sense that no other storyline elements will be included there. Mm. And. So it it's going to get a whole bunch of publicity at the moment. Like Gal Gal Dot will be running around doing all her like interviews and and she's got like tons of videos and stuff on YouTube about her talking about it and doing her action sequences, and that's all cool. So there's the potential there to get like an entire new generation of you know young females getting interested in comics based on um, her portrayal of this character, and then. The, the most logical place for you to start looking into that stuff is, you know, the most recent series that's been produced. And then they've done this to it, which makes it really disjointed and confusing to get a hold of for a new reader. It feels really foolish. One thing that they have done that minimizes that somewhat is that if you go and you get the current collections of these, uh, the first one is the, like, volume one is the collection of... One, three, five, etc. The odd stories, and volume two is the collection of the even-numbered ones. So they do have them now as discrete stories, rather than that weird jumping uh, back and forth. But again, it does. It is a complex way of doing it. It does go to a particularly complex way of telling stories that comics is capable of doing. But and perhaps that reinforces the confusion, the sense of, well, what's going on here exactly? Uh, what am I getting when I pick this up? And that reinforces the storyline about her origin. And I get I get it from that standpoint. I just don't know if it's the most effective way if people were trying to pick it up and read as it was being uh, introduced last year as opposed to the trades now. Yes, that would have been off-putting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it cuts both ways. You can it, if it, the story, if the two separate stories are going to bleed into each other, it's very clever. Where you say, and here's this character in the in the odd numbered story, and then in the even numbered story, you see their first interaction with one woman and said character. So that's and the story bleeds into each other, and that's very very clever. But you can also get completely lost because. I will admit it took me a couple of pages to realize that, oh, that's right, it's alternating stories the first time I read it. But, um, you know, if it, they're introduced in number four and then you're immediately getting their backstory in number five, yeah, some, you could probably think, wait, this is just a continuous story and they're just recollecting of when they met up and you can get lost. Mm. So, yeah, there's there's positives and negatives to doing it that way. Yeah. Okay, so as far as the cliches go that we've the, that we discovered in this, is there anything that really sort of burned your retinas when you when you saw it, Harrow? I didn't exactly burn my retinas. I didn't. I didn't have like a <laughs> mysterium level reaction to anything. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, what 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 about the um the the lesser known uh, homeopathic Wonder Woman. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> no, um, look, the obligatory romance scene. Eh, I I don't care. It didn't need it. Just sort of slow. You know, the token male was having a romantic scene with the main character. Whatever. Didn't do anything for me. Didn't need it. Just sort of felt like it had to be there. 
What about you? Uh, what is it? And at the end, sorry, a bit of a spoiler here for you, Cam. The whole cliche where the the hero has a mental breakdown and needs to and needs to really gather themselves before they can get back into the fight. And like, oh, it's been done so many times. So yeah, I, I didn't like that part. Yeah, I the one that really sort of was a bit on the nose for me was the whole Seer group. So there's like you know like a terrorist organization called Seer. And um, these guys are always like, you know, they're, they're, they're super bad. Um, and they've never really captured any of them live before. And then they're like, it's this thing that's been bothering me. It's a, the name of that group. It's an anagram for another thing that's relevant to this story. <laughs> it's like, oh, really? Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, to be fair, it's nowhere near as on the nose as, say, Supergirl or Agent Carter were, but yes, it's... You, you just think, like, really? <laughs> really? That was the best this that you could come up with. <laughs> this, this is uh, targeted at the same audience where you're running two concurrent storylines that lead over to it, and you think this is a great, you know, story plot. Uh, yeah. Yep. Here's a plot twist. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <sighs> that said, at least with the um, hero going crazy bit, I did enjoy the action sequence that took place corresponding to that. That was that seemed to be well, like it was kind of cool and well set out and stuff like that. So at least there was that upside to it. Yeah, yeah the action scenes are actually pretty good in that, particularly in the the lies uh, the lies storyline. The fighting, the fights in that are actually very very good. Really like that. And the EU ones are not as good, but still very good. Mm. Um, yeah, the action's beautiful in this series. Yeah. Which I think brings us on to the next point, artwork. So, because the story breaks off into The Lies in Year One, it's all written by the same guy, Greta Grucker, but it's got two different uh, illustrators. We've got Liam Sharp doing The Lies, and Australia's Nicholas Scott doing Year One. Look, personally, I preferred Liam Sharp's artwork, but Nicholas Scott was also very, very good. I mean, it wasn't off-putting at all. It's not like other crossovers with multiple artists where you go, oh, this just takes me completely out of it. It's, um, but yeah, both art is good. Just preferred Liam's a bit, even though I've met Nicholas Scott a few times and she's lovely. I So, yeah. I, I would go as far as to say uh, Nicholas Scott's is a lot more... Um, uh, so almost reverential towards the original material. It it has a lot more of that style and a lot sort of a lot more of the brightness and stuff like that that went along with that sort of series, whereas the um, uh, uh, the other auth- uh, artist's work was a little bit darker and stuff like that and you know traditional new DC manner. <laughs> oh no, fair enough. If you yeah, fair enough. That's a good point. So, yeah, at least there's that to, to contribute to that, even if you didn't like it in the same way. What, do you have any thoughts, John? Oh, look, um, I, again, I like both. I, and it comes down to a sort of a personal taste to a degree when it comes to uh, art, in that I actually personally preferred uh, Nicholas Scott's work there. Um, I just tend more toward that kind of style, but... I will say this, uh, I thought that Liam Sharp's work, it's the kind of thing where back in, in the 1990s, I would have looked at 
these two and I would have said, oh, I like Nicholas Scott's, I don't like Sharps. Uh, Sharps is good. It's less obviously good, if that makes any sense. Like, Scott's struck me as a bit more uh, aesthetically pleasing in in one sense, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, over time, I've come... My point is, over time, I've come to appreciate different stuff, and I did like Liam's, uh, Liam Sharps' artwork as well. Um, just a personal preference there. Both were good. Both are different styles as well, which is great because that allows you to tell the difference between what story you're getting uh, at the time yes Uh, yet yet another clue that i had missed in my reading of this oh but look that would have made it jarring as well because and look it did take me a second to pick up uh when i was reading issue number two that well they've started a different story here and hang on let me check the numbers and yes i've got the right number of story here so okay uh, i guess i see what they're doing if i continue reading along those lines but uh, just a, a, one of the rare complaints I had about this, because I think it was an excellent uh, series, an excellent relaunch, is they did have that tie-in uh, to it. It was effectively uh, an issue zero, if you like, of this, and that had multiple artists on it. And I don't personally uh, tend to like multiple artists in the exact same book or in the exact same story. I find that to be a jarring effect. Uh, I also didn't think that they should have had that book in general, I think, because uh, it gave you a lot of the story elements there uh, that you needed to understand this. But look, um, both great artists, and I think that that's one thing that if you get this uh, in the trade paperback that you will get and have to look forward to is, uh, in my opinion, excellent art. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the Rebirth, so Rebirth 1 and then Wonder Woman 1 are both included in the trade. So, yeah, if that interests you, you you won't be missing anything if you buy the two trade paperbacks and then read them one and two as opposed to how they were released. But if you want to be confused, by all means, alternate between. <laughs> just just take two books and mash them together and then yeah, <laughs> and get the full experience the author wanted you to have. Exactly. I mean, you can't you can't read, uh, say, let's let's think here. Say, um, I don't know uh, anything that was released after uh, Heart of Darkness without reading Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness. So make sure that you read that with whatever your next novel is, side by side. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it makes sense. (laughs) You guys have anything else you wanted to add? Any uh, final points? Look, um, I actually do want to reread this and... My first experience in this whole in the whole layout was quite jarring, um, but the fact that I do want to reread it and actually understand the story and stuff like that, and it kept me in, intrigued enough and interested enough based on the the bits of it or the that part of the story that I do did understand um, means that you know it's it's a p- really pretty enjoyable series, all things considered. Um, you know, even if I like, given that I enjoyed it without fully understanding what I was reading. So, <laughs> if if it makes you want to read it again, it's a good story. Yeah, that's a good sign. <laughs> um, Cam. Yeah, look, just um, I would say that something that I have just more generally been uh, pleased to see has been uh, DC's rebirth. Just generally, it's I think it's been the right note for them to change things up from the new 52 uh i think that 
I'm yet to see anything from it that has been particularly bad. And look, this was uh, one of the sharper ones, one of the better ones. So, was that? I, I missed. They, they still can't get Cyborg to be good. They've yes. The one that made me laugh was um, uh, the the. I don't know if he's new. If he's new to this iteration or from New Fifty Two, but the villain of the Rebirth villain for Cyborg was. Hate bit spelt with an H, the number eight, and then a bit. <sighs> You're like, wow. That we talk about right yeah. There. We talk about things being on the nose for <laughs> this iteration of Wonder Woman, and that's just wow. Hate bit. That. <laughs> uh, I know comic books are hard, ladies and gentlemen. They're not easy things to write, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to remind so, yeah, us. So you can tell here at World Play Day, you were all really, really looking forward to the standalone cyborg movie. Uh, there's going to be a, in other news. There's going to be a standalone cyborg movie. That's... <laughs> oh. Oh. Okay. Um, speaking of movies, so having read um, Year One and the Lies, and they're redoing her history. Any predictions you want to make from the movie? Stuff you think in the books that'll make it into. The, Anything from the comic you think will make it into the movie coming out this week? For example, how many times do you think Steve Trevor's going to lose his shirt? I, I, I'm, I'm guessing upward of four times. Four <laughs> times. That's, that's, that's also including the uh, obligatory uh, romance scene that's going to take place. That's, uh, that's going to happen too. <laughs> you're, go, you're going I with think four. I'm going to go with two. Yeah, I think back here to uh, an interview with uh, the uh, famous British director who went, who uh, did, you know, the Birds and uh, Hitchcock, uh, Alfred Hitchcock, basically, uh, when talking about the movie Psycho, which had one of uh, these male characters shirtless, he said that basically that was a scene that was only satisfying for half the audience. So, yeah, I wonder if it'll be much the same thing there. But look... Uh, Definitely, we could keep an ongoing counter of um, Steve shirtless during the movie and report back afterwards. Yeah, this would be important counting. Um, <laughs> that, that, that'll like, be the takeaway. We'll do a review next week and like four times. I was right. Blue Tongue will be cheering the rest of the episode. <laughs> yeah, um, I I don't think that his character is going to be nearly as helpless as he is in this. Um, I've, I've got a strong suspicion that in order to make it a bit more appealing to the male audience, they're going to make him a bit more, you know, uh, uh, self-sufficient would be my guess. Um, he's a super spy in, he's not a pilot. He's a spy in this one. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, look, so I can totally see her having, like, see him, having to save her at some point and stuff like that. And I find that a little bit cringeworthy and on the nose if that actually does happen. So <laughs> let's hope it doesn't. That's, that's my prediction. <laughs> no, that's cool. I would, I would, yeah, if we could avoid the white male savior, that would be awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cam, what do you think we're going to get? We're getting an origin story. You think we're going to get like the, the, the original Gollum origin when she's made of clay or, the demigod origin where she's the bastard child of Zeus. What do you think we're... What do you think we'll uh, so, I actually think the bastard child of Zeus because 
to my mind, and I could be wrong, and maybe they will demonstrate just how wrong I am, it is a more difficult story to tell where she's made from clay and fastened like a like a golem. The the whole uh, storyline there, I think, will not translate as well to the screen, or at least would be more of a challenge. Whereas Zeus having that affair, that story is at least I don't know. I can see them thinking that's sexy or whatever to to tell. So look, that's my prediction. Let's see if maybe they go with none of the above. Maybe she's just sort of uh, transported immediately into the world of man, and we hear about the rest in the exposition. I don't know. Uh, well, she's also the youngest on the island, so she had to come from somewhere. But, yeah, I, I think we're, we're going to go... I'm pretty sure they'll be going the demigod route, you know, just to make her more powerful, which it's a bit of a shame in my book. I always liked the golem origin because it's... This is going to sound crazy, guys, but bear with me. It's a superhero without daddy issues. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what that's what the golem story. That's what the golem story gives you. But the the demigod one, just just think of all those daddy issue stories you'll be able to tell if Zeus is her father. But then maybe she doesn't want to go and save the world in order to get daddy to notice her. So you know, at least there's a motivation. That would be so bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I think we we all knew that Ares was going to show up in this movie, but it was you know released by Lego. So thanks for that, guys. So that's been spoiled. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll, we're going to get a pretty awesome, I think, Wonder Woman versus Ares fight, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. This character's origin was never World War One, though. I always believed it was World War Two. She was a World War Two pilot originally, but I could be wrong. No, so it'll be interesting to absolutely see. Absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely right. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, the yeah, it's, it's made in more even more interesting by the fact that you know the range on World War One planes was not particularly large. <laughs> <laughs> So you can actually see Themyscira from my house. That's right. Yes. That's how far the plane can it's, go. It's somewhere off the coast of uh, Ireland. <laughs> it's also, it's going to be interesting to see how it is that they fit this uh, continuity into the rest of the film. Uh, the rest of the films that come from here, like, will we have, you know, here's Steve, but he's a super centenarian. You know, like uh, he's 125 years old and, you know, still backing up the Justice League. <laughs> No, 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 hang on, you just put an idea in my head. She talks about when she walked away from Man's World, because I don't think the sequel, the Wonder Woman 2, I don't think will be in history. I think it'll be a more modern tale. So, you think Steve Trevor's making it out of this movie? Ooh, that's an excellent question. <laughs> yeah. I love Steve Trevor, and I also love his great-great-grandson as well. It's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Going down that, can, that Captain can, America route. Yeah, can we have an oh. awkward romance scene? I loved your grandmother, but I love you just as much. <laughs> oh. Oh, please. <laughs> um, okay, I, I'm just throwing this out there. If there's, like, a supernatural and godlike stuff happening, um, there's always a potential for Steve Trevor to become a vessel for a god of some description, um, making it possible <laughs> so, that he shows up as a villain in a later story or something yeah. like that. Okay, yeah, that could be interesting. Um, then, that would then sire grandchildren for her to hit on later. Yep, yep. 
Is there... That I got the impression in um, some of my other reading that there's like an, an ongoing thing with Superman and, one, and Wonder Woman. Is that expected to be reproduced in this coming, you know? I, ser- I seriously doubt it. Okay, cool. That's, yeah, that's probably for yeah. the best. <laughs> it's like, here's the romantic, romantic interests for Wonder Woman and Superman. Ah, uh, they're going to have a little bit of an affair. It's going to be awesome, guys. Yeah, people yeah. will totally get into that. <laughs> I actually we, we thought, can... though... Yeah, if you're gonna, if you're going to exclude the other couples, like other members of those couples from it, then absolutely they work as a dynamic, and that was an interesting storytelling thing in those stories that did feature Superman and Wonder Woman. But yeah, absolutely, mm. I I can totally see them. Um, I I, I, de- I definitely think there'll be at least a nod, like a like a oh, there's a little bit of a chemistry thing there, kind of thing happening. <laughs> There's um I don't care generally who's dating who in comics because you've described before Cam the second act nature it it it, it won't last it'll we'll just move on in a couple issues time but um yeah they did there's this story I've been meaning to read uh Superman I think it's Wonder Woman Superman power couple so they're, they're together and then the governments of Earth are like oh we are in so much deep shit because <laughs> if um, if Superman went bad Wonder Woman could stop him if Wonder Woman went bad Superman could stop her the two of them are dating and if they decide to make humanity their bitch there's pretty much nothing we can do about it Oh, I've so heard that story so many times. We're going to ban <laughs> Superman and Wonder Woman from dating one another. That's right. Uh, anyway, I don't. Yeah, let's let. Yeah, uh, any other predictions? <laughs> the the transgender offspring, Super Wonder Man Woman. <laughs> and if if you see if you see Rucker's Twitter feed, he's probably thought about doing it. Um, yeah. I'm strangely oh. on board with that idea, too. Oh. Okay, can we go away from bad ideas now, people? <laughs> any, any good predictions? Um, no, I think we we have had some interesting ideas here. So, hmm. uh, I, I'm expecting some really, really flashy World War One action sequences. I like the fact that it's a, ni- a really good, gritty, nasty kind of environment. Like, you know... World War One's not a fun war by any stretch of the imagination, and this will be particularly exciting, I think, a take on it. Interestingly enough, it's one that's just now kind of making its way into pop culture as well, like uh, as far as the settings and so on goes for like the, last year's Battlefield game and for sort of uh, a few other different bits and pieces of media. I wonder why. Is it just because it's now been 100 years or are people's imaginations going back to that war? Are you thinking of Downton Abbey? I'm thinking of a few things. Uh, I was thinking of Battlefield One, but yep. sure, let's go from Battlefield One to Downton Abbey. It's it's you know, <laughs> there's not much the, else that they have in common. The logical step. I mean, come on. <laughs> Another great segue by well played AU. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next week we'll be looking at Downton Abbey. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, actually, moving on to a relevant conversation. Um, <laughs> If you liked this comic book, what kind of other stuff would you guys recommend? Um, right off the bat, I've talked about it a couple of times. Batman No Man's Land, my favorite comic book story, also written by Greg Rucker. It's a lot of fun. Yep. John? I would uh, probably point to uh, one of them being a, a story that 
it's not just Wonder Woman, but a story where she is a strong character that plays a particular role would be uh, Kingdom Come by Mark Wade and Alex Ross. Uh, just because I tend to recommend that every couple of shows anyway, so here's another recommendation <laughs> for that one. But look, she plays a, a pretty key role, and there is that um, sort of only a little touch of it, uh, but only a little bit of her origin story features in that, so uh, worth checking out. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Harry? Uh uh, Wonder Woman Blackest Night, the same uh, same creative team, Greg Rucker, Nicholas Scott, so that was during the Blackest Night crossover. I know, Cam, you don't like crossover or big events, but Blackest <laughs> Night's actually pretty good. Yes. Uh, look, yeah. yeah, done properly, they can be good, um, but yeah. it's more that they're overdone, I think. Yeah, th- yes, also true. Um, another one Greg Rucker and Nicholas Scott have worked on is Black Magic. They stopped working on that so they could do Wonder Woman, but now they finished that. I think we're getting new Black Magic next month, I think. Um, we've been talking a lot about Meta, a book I read recently about Meta, uh, End of Shadow by Orson Scott Card. So it follows the events of uh, End, Ender's Game, but from the perspective of Bean, so his genius little friend, and it's, yeah, very Meta, very interesting. Uh, I think another one was uh, we talked about gender role flipping, and we've talked about it here as well. Uh, Ruby, that's another good one you'd probably like. Uh, Cam, anything else? Anything by George Perez gets my automatic recommendation, but in this case, he did a run on Wonder Woman in the, I think it was the late 80s, early 90s, updating certain elements of the character and the design. And if I recall correctly i think there was an origin story in that one as well so uh that's collected in the wonder woman omnibus i think volume two so well worth checking that one out uh yeah i think that just about does that but i've got one more contribution to make that's not necessarily comic book related um if you want to go down the path of like a strong female action hero type character um as one of my nostalgic favorites is long kiss good night have you guys seen that Yep, definitely. Uh, it's also a Christmas movie, yes. Yep. <laughs> Long Kiss Goodnight and Die Hard. Christmas material. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> just want to just want to clarify, in this omnibus you speak of, uh, Cam, where we explore Wonder Woman's origins again, does Uncle Ben get shot again? <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think so, being a Spider-Man character and all, but sure, why not? <laughs> You just, I just feel that he, it, we need, he needs to be shot as many times as possible, really, <laughs> just in, in, in any number of stories, but okay. Anyway. That's I will say point. this, though, that's like, yeah, that's the one character in comics that you're guaranteed will not come back from the dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you're never going to see him again. <laughs> All right, that that was just my cheap shot at origin stories. You want to give us an outro, Blue Tongue? Yeah, sure. Um, just before I do that, though, uh, I'm going to shamelessly plug the LFG Sydney event that's coming up. It is being held on the 7th to the 9th of July in Bankstown Sports Club. Uh, we had a great time there last time and would strongly recommend anyone who is into board gaming to come along. And, uh, yeah maybe catch up and play some games with us. We really enjoyed it there. 
All right. Thanks for joining us this week. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed yourself as much as we have. You can catch us on Twitter at WellPlayedAU. You can send us questions, comments, or abuse at WellPlayedAU at gmail.com. And if you like us, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or a like on YouTube, uh, etc. Um, if you enjoy music from the podcast, have a look at Cloud Control on iTunes or YouTube and pick up one of their albums. Cheers, guys. Bye. Bye.